Factory in the Dynasty Football Network. That's James the Brain. We are a few days out from the NFL Draft. It just happened, and Royce Freeman still sucks. That's Travis. Hey, wait a minute. That's my, one of my Broncos you're talking about. That's Travis the Beard. I'm going to let that one slide because guess what, guys? James's Browns drafted my favorite quarterback, and James hates him, and I love it. Oh, my God. I love it so much. I'm going to grab a drink. (laughs) I'll be back. I'm John, character concerns, Hogue, and this is Super Flexible. (laughs) And, boys, I didn't get to do this last week, so we're going to do another rookie mock draft. We're going to try to do it right this time. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the beer-fueled fantasy guys with us this time. Uh, they uh, definitely made things fun and interesting, um, but instead you get me. So uh, we're going to do a post-draft rookie mock. James has the number one overall pick. Um, let's uh, let's end the suspense, James. Who goes 101? Well, uh, I was considering two players here, uh, Saquon Barkley and Royce Freeman, but... Um, close, considering Royce Freeman isn't even in the same stratosphere as Saquon Barkley talent-wise. I'm going to take the easy pick, Saquon Barkley. I don't even think we really need to talk about this. Going to the Giants, um, I think they helped their offensive line, especially in the second round, grabbing Will Hernandez, a, a road-grading type blocker um, that can help open up some holes for him. I, I don't think that they're being very shy about uh, the, the vision they have for him, which is a three-down back roll, and I expect him to do big things right away. So, yeah, Saquon Barkley's the pick here, and it so, uh, looks like Travis is up. Let me let me back us up just a little bit real quick. I, I didn't do a whole lot of setup on this, and maybe I should have. So I I want to get just kind of an overall uh, – Real quick, I want I want to get an overall reaction from from each of you guys on how this draft went from a fantasy perspective. Just kind of overall, dude. It it effed up all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it really, really, really made me like reevaluate everything. <clears throat> as far as I mean, all of uh, there was many, many players that went to not so great situations that I that I liked, or that I then I still like them, but the situation sucks. And then there's some players that i hate that went to good situations so it's really really messing with my head but i'm sure i'll let my opinion be known as we hit on each each one of those guys yeah yeah no i i agree with you travis go ahead john well that in and i was just gonna say real quick that's kind of why we felt like we needed to jump right back into the rookie mock uh universe you know so even though we just did one last week before the draft just so much changed, and so many names got kind of jumbled around that we felt like we needed to jump back in and, and do another one right away. So, yeah, what was your reaction to it, though, James? Uh, honestly, it was it was pretty similar to Travis's. I, I guess my thing, too, is that there was a lot of players that I really liked that went a lot lower than I thought or later in the draft than I thought they would. Yeah, totally. Um, and then some guys, yeah, and and then the opposite, some guys that I wasn't very high on that went a whole lot higher than I thought they would. So, um, I and, and again, we'll get to some of these individual players as we uh, as we kind of you know uh, draft them here. But um, as a whole, I think that also plays a role. I mean, um, you know, a guy goes in the first round that you thought was a third or fourth round talent, and you realize that the draft capital that 
you know, whatever team just spent on him means that they're probably going to give him more opportunity than somebody else. So, you know, it, that, that plays into it too. So, um, yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, that there was, there's a whole lot of reevaluating going on in the community and rightfully so. So yeah, it'll be fun to do this and kind of see how everyone values things. Now, real quick, John, I, I want to point out this, uh, this is going to be a mock for a 12 team PPR Superflex, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is Superflex, by the way. So yeah. Duh. <laughs> well, I knew um. it was Superflex, but still wanted to state 12 team PPR Superflex. That's, that's what we're mocking for. So Dude, yeah, if we exactly. did a if we did a one QB mock, the listeners would riot in the streets, as they should. That would be awful. <laughs> Damn right. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't take part in a one QB. So I guess the two QB or the super flex part kind of goes by the wayside. But uh, twelve team PPR, I guess, is all we have to say then. Yeah. So the reason that I bring up, you know, the the reason that I wanted to get you guys' reaction, I kind of wanted to lead into this question for you, James, because. Barkley goes 101. We knew he was going to all along, you know, for fantasy, for dynasty. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley before the draft was easily the 1.01. And I think that he's probably even more solidly the 101 because of all the other landing spots. But I am curious, just kind of in a vacuum of your thoughts on on Saquon as a New York Giant, as a second overall pick in the NFL draft, does does it change your outlook as far as the uh, as far you know for a, from a dynasty perspective? Um, do you still uh, do you still feel as confident with him as you did before? Um, just kind of as a dynasty asset, not so much as you know in the slam dunk rookie pick. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good question. I think going to the Giants, I. I I mean, there, there's there's better situations, honestly. I mean, the offensive line isn't great. Um, they did spend, you know, um, some draft capital uh, bringing in uh, Will Hernandez, and they've addressed the line a little bit in free agency. So, I, you know, that there's that. But, you know, also, I mean, you have a, a, a red zone target that I think they're pretty high on in Evan Ingram. Um, you still have Odell Beckham, who's going to get his. And there's only one football. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I think, is still a, a, a very good wide receiver, too, uh, in the league. So, um, I mean, there's there's still some some concern that I have based on, you know, kind of there's only one ball, you know, so um, it'll be interesting to kind of see his his piece of the pie. But I think when you take a running back this high at the 1.02, I, I think that you're giving him you're basically saying, hey, look, we're looking at you as a bell cow, a three down back, a guy who can, you know, who's going to catch the ball for us, a guy who's going to, um, you know, get the majority of the carries and. In this day and age, running backs like that are just hard to come by. Um, and when you look at the talent of Saquon Barkley, you know, I mean, there's a reason why he was taken this high. So I think overall, um, I'm I'm probably right where I was before the draft um, on him. I mean, I, I don't think it moves him up or down, in my opinion. I think there probably was better landing spots, but there was probably worse, too. Um, so I think it's kind of kind of right in the middle for me. I don't know. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I don't think there is a spot he could have gone to that would have made him not the 101. Um, no. So, but yeah, it's not it's not ideal, um, but it's good enough. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> and so, James, you have made two statements in the last since we started this thing about um, how draft capital matters. Can you just uh, 
agree. Can can you just clarify for the fans here, for the listeners, that draft capital matters to you? I I knew this was going to come up. I knew <laughs> this was going to come up. Look, in a rookie draft, does it does it matter? Yes. I mean, obviously, if somebody is going, to, if a team's going to spend a first round pick on you, as opposed to a sixth round pick, they're going to give you every opportunity as a first round pick mm. to win that job. However. If a sixth-round pick outperforms a first-round pick after the first year, I don't care where they were picked after that. Um, I, I have enough data based on their their NFL careers at that point to where I can make assumptions based off that player. So does it matter to me in a rookie draft? Absolutely. After that, does it matter to me? Not at all. Okay, so, so, I rookie, think that so draft capital matters. Cool. So now that that's established, um, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, Saquon is going to be awesome. And they did address the line. It should be marginally better at worst. Uh, And he's by far the most talented they've back that they've had there in years. So he's going to get, like James said, I mean, he's going to get every opportunity to succeed. They're going to feed the crap out of the ball to him. So that didn't, they're going to feed him the crap out of the ball. That's probably the better way to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> that still doesn't seem right. Now Either I'm picturing one. him just like a ball filled with crap, and him just kind of squeezing it out like a tube of toothpaste. He would still be awesome, just like directly Gosh. into his mouth. Wow, that okay, is terrible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's your 1.01. By the way, no, he's great. We spent way <laughs> too much time literal on the human feces. Out of <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Travis is up. With yes. Second yes, thank God. Baker Mayfield. Yep. Oh, gross. Yep. Yep. He's awesome. QB1 pre-draft, QB1 post-draft. Nothing changes. Congratulations to James's Browns Congrats. on finally finding a franchise quarterback. Yes. Um, I would like to go ahead and point out that this is a terrible pick. I think uh, Johnny 2.0 is going to be a bust, and I am. Get out I am, of here with am, this Johnny as, 2.0 bullshit. As a as a Browns fan, I am. I I, I have, I have, I I'm having deeply, deeply seated trouble um, accepting this pick, and uh, I have thought several times long and hard about trading in my Phantom card for an Arizona Cardinal one. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to root for the for the Browns. So. Um, all I can say is, Tyrod, please get us to the playoffs. Be better than we thought you were, and you know, let's let's keep Baker on the bench for as long as we can. Right, I got but, I got a couple. Yeah, that's my I got a couple things it. to say here. Uh, first of all, me and you, James, still have a bet on the table that is now in effect because the Browns took a quarterback at one that Tyrod Taylor will play less than eight games this year. Just yeah, just a that's, reminder. That's wrong. Twenty dollar bet, I believe. Also, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my Cardinals got the Rosen one, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. They got the QB one. No, they got the QB draft. two, they but did. I'm okay with the QB two <laughs> at 10 overall. So, Oh, man. Anyways, Baker's yeah. awesome, dude. Um, and he was QB one pre-draft. He's still QB one for me. I absolutely will take him at the 102 nine times out of 10, unless I'm just stacked at the quarterback position. Um. Yeah, and I mean, we. It still makes me a little woozy buying into the Browns' offense. I I did it a, to a lesser extent, but still did it last year. Where I thought, hey, these there there might actually be some fantasy points to be scored here in in the Browns' offense, and that did not turn out very well. But um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, you just he's so good and then the the offensive weapons that he has. I mean, it's basically James, I think you'd agree that it's a 0% bust rate at this point, right? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I we're, we're going to get stuck on this pick for a long time if I keep commenting. Okay. So it and so I'm going to get real drunk real was, quick. So I was being 30% sarcastic. Oh man. Yeah, I I all I can say is that I Look, I I have several problems with Baker Mayfield. First off, his height, I don't like it. He's under 6'1", the first quarterback taking in the first round. Um, that's under 6'1". Since Johnny Manziel, um, I see a lot of parallels in their game. They're undersized. They like to run around. They're going to be guys who you have to move the pocket for. Um, I, I just see I, – I, I don't like that to me, that, that you have to – when you have to do something, when you have to cater an offense around a guy – that shouldn't be the number one overall pick in that draft. That's just my opinion. Um, I think I think the way that they're building this offense is is a mistake. And I think Hugh Jackson will be gone in a year, and then they're going to have to try to try to fit Baker Mayfield into a traditional pocket passer type thing, and that's not going to work. So I I don't know. I'm I'm still I disagree with um, literally every single thing you that. said about Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah, I kind of do too. And uh, hmm. and just the the notion that you try and turn baker into a pocket passer that's what gets quarter that's what gets head coaches fired stuff well like and that. i don't i don't He's yeah let me be clear i don't think he passer. was gonna do that i don't think he was well yeah in college in a a quick hitch style offense that isn't even a pro offense but when he has to run an nfl offense and those windows are closing quicker and he can't just get rid of the ball quickly like that um i i don't i don't think that that's gonna work but I real real quick. I mean, look at what they're doing. They have Tyrod Taylor. They have a mobile guy who you have to move the pocket for. That that seems to be what they want. They want to build that offense around him. But I have no faith in Hugh Jackson. Do you guys? No, because no, if not you at do, all. he's on his way. Well, then, no. then I, I exactly. And if he's on his way out, then you either a pigeonhole yourself into trying to find a coach that is going to work an offense around a number one pick. Or B, you're going to have to try to change your number one pick. Either way, I don't think that should have been the number one pick, knowing what's going to end up happening. But Successful again, NFL franchises just, just are the ones that form their offensive strategies around the players on the on, on their roster, not the other way around. So I'm 100% yeah. okay. oh, Right, right. Around, around the players on their offense, not one the player. QB and is I think by that one player changes everything. One of those players. I, I yeah I, I guess we'll see kind of how it works out um again I don't think it's going to work out very well and maybe it's me being just a jaded Browns fan because I've seen it year in and year out with this organization um so maybe that's maybe that's it but um but I'll be honest with you I don't see myself changing my tune unless unless I I see so greatness out of the guy and I don't think that's gonna for the happen, record so. I don't I'm not saying the Browns are going to be great this year I think Baker Mayfield is going to be great in his career so I don't really care about Hugh Jackson. If they fail this year, by all means, get that guy out of there. But if Baker Mayfield plays 10 games, he might just save Hugh Jackson's job. <laughs> oh, okay. That would be horrible. We'll see. So with the third pick, I'm going to take Josh Rosen because I believe, wow. I, I truly believe that Josh Rosen has the highest floor of all the quarterbacks drafted in the, this year's NFL, um, in this year's rookie draft class. And I believe, I I really do believe that Josh Rosen starts week one. 
So in a super flex, you get to plug him in right away. You don't have to. The rest of these guys, Maybe. you're going to have to wait several weeks at the minimum. And some of these guys, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, they probably don't make it on the field at all this year. What? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no reason to. Like, why would you with those guys? AJ McCarron. That's why. Yeah, I mean, you don't think there's a better chance but, that that Josh Allen beats out AJ McCarron than no. Sam Bradford getting hurt? No, no. And Josh Allen is is a better quarterback than AJ McCarron, but you've got absolutely nothing around him. This is a throwaway year. Why would you throw? Why yeah, would you put not Josh pretend Allen? Out the there? Bills are some really smart front office or coaching staff like <laughs> they're not going to make these NFL teams aren't going to make the logical decision all the time they I mean look what look what Hugh Jackson did to Deshaun Kaiser last year like and the Bills the Bills themselves last year benched Tyrod for Nathan Peterman you think you I mean I'm not going to no. trust that coaching staff to, I mean, anyways, I just... Well, just because they had a hard-on for Tyrod doesn't mean that they're going to do the same thing to McCarron. Didn't they have a flaccid-on for Tyrod? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could you could make that case for sure, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I just don't think that it's a given. It's absolutely not a given that he starts week one, and he, it's not even a given he's, he's the first rookie to start. That's, that's that's my whole issue with your argument there. It's possible, but I think I, I think Bradford's a good player, and if Bradford is healthy, I think they trot him out there week one. And I think he. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think he could play. I think Bradford could play eight to ten games this year easily. Oh man, you're putting a lot of faith in those those worthless knees of his. I I'm saying it's possible. I don't know that- and if he stays, I think they play him as long as he stays healthy. If he happens yeah. to stay healthy for for fourteen to sixteen, I think they play him because uh-huh. he's a good player. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I but I don't know why you would because they I, the Cardinals are under the impression that this is still their window for some reason because Larry's still there. They're not going to waste a season. <laughs> One guy. I'm not, yeah. dude. I'm not joking. Well, and and I don't. They're not going to waste know a, the Sam last Bradford... season of Larry Fitzgerald's career. By throwing in a rookie quarterback, unless they unless they know that they're out of it, like if we go, but if I, the Cardinals go like three and eight, sure, throw in Josh mm-hmm. Rosen. Right. I think I think that but they I, think they still can compete, which is not. I, I'm not delusional here as a Cardinals fan. I don't think that's the case, but I think that they think that's the case, and they're going to try. Well, yeah, they they should try, but I don't know that Sam Bradford gives you a better chance to win right now than Josh Rosen does. I think he absolutely does. Yeah, and, and that's where I disagree. Josh Rosen has been running a pro-style offense at UCLA for the last three years. He comes in pro-ready, and I think that it's going to show in training camp. I think he's going to beat out Sam Bradford. I'm calling it right now. I, I believe that that's going to happen. But even if it doesn't, I mean, it's just a matter of time before those knees explode again, and we're right back to you know Sam Bradford on on injured reserve, and Josh Rosen is your guy. He can absolutely, he's absolutely going to beat out Mike Glennon, like he could do that in his sleep. So, yeah, you're looking at at 
Josh Rosen coming in as soon as Sam Bradford gets hurt at the absolute latest. But all so that for being that reason, said, I don't, he's I don't hate the pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't hate the pick either. I think you got the number one quarterback in the draft. Obviously, I've been outspoken about that. But um, can I can I just a side note? I mean, how how much must life suck for Mike Lennon at this point? He goes to Chicago <laughs> well, when he signs with the Bears <laughs> as a free agent. He thinks he's going to be the starter. They Trubisky. trade up and they take Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yep. And then he's like, "Well, that sucks, right?" So then he goes to Arizona and he's like, "Dude, I'm sitting behind Sam Fragile Bradford, who I like Sam Bradford, but I mean." He, he does have a tendency to not stay healthy. So he probably thinks he's in a pretty good situation. And then Arizona trades up into the top 10 to take Josh Rosen. Like, he has got to be like, what can I do to get away from rookie quarterbacks? Like, it, it's just, it's funny that they follow him around. It's probably um, not a coincidence either. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. He's just yeah. not good. I mean, that's just the life of a backup quarterback, you know. And he he's one of the few that gets to keep making money so yeah that's true i mean i don't feel too bad for him but it's just kind of funny that oh that worked out all right so james you're back up at the 104 man yeah and and i'll be honest with you john you made it really difficult for me because i thought josh rosen was going to be there that was going to be my pick i was going to be happy that i got the top quarterback in the draft and (laughs) now i don't so now i really had to think know who you're drafting this is an interesting this is, yeah, well, this is an interesting decision, too, um, because do I go with the next quarterback off the board? Do I take the top receiver, or do I take a running back here? And I, I took the running back route. I went with Darius Geis, and nice. here's the thing with Geis. Like, I, I, I was super concerned about this fall. I mean, the, the character issues and the red flags that must have happened for him to fall as far as he did. Um, when this guy was a borderline first, early second round pick all day, and you see some of the running backs that went in front of him, I mean, it was it's concerning. So, I mean, there's there's something here. Um, I'm just hoping that um, it's not it's not something that's going to get him suspended or something that's going to hurt him long term. Um, so, I hope I hope that um, by making this pick, that guy's you know kind of he had his eyes opened a little bit and realized that you know he's he's kind of got to take this seriously and that this is a job. Um, because he's he's super talented. I think we all know that. This guy um, is definitely capable. So, And I, I like the landing spot in Washington. I mean, he's got Samaji Pirine to deal with, but I don't think that there's a lot there taking carries away. I, I like Chris Thompson, but um, ultimately, if Geis is the back that he should be, I don't know that Chris Thompson, um, you know, really takes too much away from him. Um, you know, moving forward, I think year one probably – but moving forward, if guys hits hits his talent level, I think he'll uh, he'll take over as a three down back. So, um, kind of interested to see what you guys think about that. The fourth pick, totally agree with it, one hundred percent. And here's the thing about Darius guys: so draft capital isn't nothing, but this is the argument against draft capital right here, because I'm, yeah, guys fell to the late second round, but as soon as he got drafted by the Washington Redskins. That's where it stopped mattering. Where he got drafted does not matter from the second that his name was called anymore. That was the punishment for whatever the you know the character concerns they thought they saw. The punishment was letting him fall all the way to the end of the second round, and that cost him a significant amount of money. Let like, let's not let's not lose sight of the fact that it it did hurt him 
So, but now situation and talent override draft capital. He was he did his time, and now he he's brought in to be the feature back in Washington, and that's exactly what he's going to be. So for me, he's still the number two running back. I wasn't so sure that he would be because I thought some of these other guys would find some better landing spots, but with the way this draft fell, I I I really don't care where Darius Geis got got drafted, you know, in relation to the rest of these guys. I don't care that Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle went before him. I really don't. All that matters is he's in an offense now where he's going to be featured. He's the second most talented running back in this draft anyways, and he he has virtually no competition for touches. So for the record, my argument is that draft capital means that that you get the opportunity, right? Basically, if you want to sum it up. So if you have if you have high draft capital, that's a good thing. And Darius Geis has high draft capital. It's a good thing. I, the second round is completely 100% okay and, and a positive still for him. I don't think that that's an argument against draft capital at all. Um, if you, I, and I've never once said you should draft players in the order that they come off the board in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I mean, I don't care that Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny were drafted above him either. Um, and even, I mean, it was 20 picks, 30 picks, like, for Michelle, 10, 15 picks for Penny, like, oh no, I'm sorry, way too many picks for Penny. <laughs> Seahawks made a really, really bad pick in the first round. Um, anyways, I guess my whole point is I agree with you, <laughs> but not for the whole draft capital argument. I don't really, anyways, yeah, Geis is absolutely fine here. I wouldn't argue with anybody if they took him at 102. Uh, just depending on on your roster makeup, so yeah, I'm good yeah, with it. I actually agree with that too. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Travis, it looks like you're on the clock then with the 1.05. Oh, that I am. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, this is pretty easy for me. I'm gonna I'm still gonna go with Nick Chubb, and I think it's oof. oof. Uh, <laughs> dude, Nick Chubb is awesome. I love Nick Chubb. Yeah. It really, really hurts me. This is one of those that I was kind of talking about in the beginning where this sucks, dude, because I really, really like Nick Chubb and I have been pretty vocal about being a Carlos Hyde truther. So mm. this really hurts, hurts my heart, but Nick Chubb's better and Nick Chubb was my RB3 borderline RB2 pre-draft, and I'm going to stick with my talent evaluation on him, and I'm going to take him. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I know uh, from the sound of it, John doesn't love it, but I do. I, I was high on Chubb, too, before the draft, so it isn't just Brown fandom. As a matter of fact, to be totally honest, he probably could have landed in a better spot with Carlos Hyde there. Um, you know, there's I, I don't know that year one he, he you know reaches his full potential. Um, with Hyde there um, and with Duke Johnson there, but um, looking forward, Duke Johnson is is gonna he's he's in his walk year, um, so this will be the last year I think he's there. And Carlos Hyde really um, 
this is the one year that they they really can't cut him. I mean, they're, they're just not going to gain anything from doing it. Um, but um, starting in year two, they could get rid of Hyde if they decide to, and they would be paying pennies. So um, I, I feel like, you know, Chubb may not return that investment right away, year one, but come year two, um, I think his talent's good enough to where I, I feel comfortable taking him here, so I, I don't mind the pick at all. Yeah, see, for me, it just, it it's as simple as this. I mean, I just... I believe in situation over talent because I've just seen it happen way too many times. And in this particular case, I mean, he goes to an offense with skill position players all over the field. And not to mention, you know, Carlos Hyde is going to take away some carries from him. You know, as long as he's there, he's going to. Duke Johnson is still the pass catcher. Like, there's... He's just limited on the amount of touches that he's going to get. He just he he drops out of the top three for me, and maybe even out of the top five, to be totally honest. Just because the the situation is just not not good for him. Interesting, interesting. Well, I guess we're gonna find out who you would take over Chubb because your pick is up next. John. That's right. Nice I, segue, I'm gonna James. take. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Thank gonna you. take my running back three, Ronald Jones. Oh my because god! Because he—we are <laughs> so the opposite, John. It blows my mind sometimes. Really, I you're not used to I, it yet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Jones. So my concern with Ronald Jones throughout this process has been the idea that he gets drafted somewhere to be the third down passing downs guy, which is not a role that he's equipped to fill. He he looks like it. He looks like a, a scat back, like a change of pace type of guy, and he's got the speed for it. But first of all, he's not a pass catcher necessarily. But the other thing is this guy runs so hard and so violently. And the way he slashes, the way he hits the hole, that, that screams feature back. That screams early down back, even though he doesn't have the size to, you know, that a lot of these workhorse backs have. And he did. He got drafted into a situation that, you know, where he's going to get the opportunity, at least as of today, it looks like it. I mean, they might add C.J. Anderson or something, you know, one of the DeMarco Murray to uh, to help ha- handle that workload. But for the moment, Ronald, Ronald Jones is all they have um, as far as a running back position goes. And they seem to be fine with that. And they seem like they're going to give him the opportunity to be that workhorse type back. And I think that it's going to pay off. I don't think you want to dump a huge workload on him like some of the the bigger workhorse guys. But I think that he can handle the early down work and he's going to be great at it. And it seems like the Buccaneers agree. John, are you interested in a bet? (laughs) <laughs> what kind of bet are we talking? I'm not shaving anything no, no, on my t- body. We'll do the standard the standard twenty dollars. Okay. On Peyton Barber will have more goal line carries than Ronald Jones in twenty eighteen. I'm not talking about goal line. I'm talking about just feature back. Mm. Okay, what 
So a feature back doesn't get goal line carries? Not always. No. I mean, Chris Johnson didn't. You know, he was a feature guy, but every time they got to the one-yard line, here comes big, fat Lindale White, powered by tequila. Mm-hmm. Just to fall into the end zone, and that and that yeah. still happens, and 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 it yeah. that's probably going to happen to Ronald Jones. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Okay, but you know when you're at your own 20 yard line, Ronald on first and 10, Ronald Jones is going to be the guy back there, and he's going to have the opportunity to score from distance, and he's going to do it. But, All right, how about this? Yeah, one? I mean, okay. Ooh, I don't feel good about this one at all. <laughs> Peyton, Bar- Peyton Barber will have more rushing touchdowns in 2018 than Ronald Jones. We're getting closer. Um, You're not going to take that one? Dude, that's well, a, that's a mean, layup for you. If you have any it, faith in Ronald my... Jones whatsoever, that is an absolute layup. More rushing touchdowns in 2018 mm. than... Peyton Barber? The the one thing is I need a contingency here. What? Health. Ronald Jones has to stay healthy. Look, it's it's not going to matter. I'm just going to go ahead and chime in. Ronald Jones um, is going to be the feature back there. Even it, it, Maybe it's not this year. Maybe Peyton Barber is. But the problem is that Peyton Barber was re-signed to a one-year deal, which means they have every intention of probably replacing him, which is why they drafted Ronald Jones. So um, in my opinion, Ronald Jones, man, I mean, he's, he's shown, he's shown that he can be a feature back. Um, Look at, look at last year. I mean, last year he improved his numbers across the board. His yards per carry were up. His yards after contact, after first contact were up. His broken tackles were up. Um, You know, if you're not, if you're not a running back that can run between the tackles, those types of things don't, don't improve um, traditionally unless they're insanely low, and they weren't for him. Um, so the fact that he improved those just shows that he was working on that, and I think he showed that he can he can do that type of stuff. So I like the pick. I love Ronald Jones. So James, you um, seem I a little bit just under. You Nick seem Jones. a little bit more passionate. You, you want to take this bet? I will say that Ronald Jones has more total touchdowns than Peyton Barber. If you want to yeah, go that route, that. considering you say considering you say that Ronald Jones can't catch the ball, anyways, right? I'd say that he has yet to show that he is a dynamic passing game weapon. That's what I've always said. Well, then I, total touchdowns should work, and John said he would do that. Yep. So I think that's that sounds like really? a bad. That's huh? the difference for you guys. You think he's going to catch touchdowns? He's he's going to score touchdowns. He's going to score touchdowns in a variety of ways. He's going to do it from right. distance. I'm probably gonna... I'm probably going to lose, but just to prove a point, I'm going to take that bet. <laughs> okay. Nice. Bury yourself alive just to prove you can handle the shovel. But you have a chance to do it. All right, gentlemen. Up, so. Check this out. So far in our mock, right? And I I'm I'm up here, but uh, so far in our mock, we've had Two quarterbacks and four running backs go. We haven't touched the receiver position, and I'm not going to change that here. Um, with the 1.07, I'm going to take Sam Darnold. Um, I'm kind of shocked at some of the early responses when it comes to Sam Darnold. Yeah. He was the number three overall pick. Um, the Jets seemed like they were enamored with him, very happy to get him once Baker was gone. Um, and 
I'm I'm pretty happy to get Sam Darnold in the two QB league here at 1.07. Um, I I like the player. Um, I think he has high upside. I think him sitting for a year behind a guy like Josh McCown is very beneficial. I think it also gives the Jets a chance to kind of build up around him um, some of the some of the weapons that they probably don't have there now. Um, you know, I think that they'll have time to kind of address that. So um, I like getting Sam Darnold here at the the seventh pick. I'd like to kind of hear what you guys think though. Yeah, no, I just, I, I agree totally. And it was a little hard for me to go Ronald Jones over Sam Darnold. But um, I I just, part of it, I guess, for me is the fact that when I draft my team in a startup, I go so light on running backs. So the opportunity to get a guy like Ronald Jones is going to generally be more important for me than Sam Darnold. But, you know, from a long-term perspective, Sam Darnold is going to be a a high-end starter in this league. I I really believe that. I mean, for a year now, we've been talking about Darnold as, you know, the best, at least one of the top two quarterbacks in this entire draft class, if not the best. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of came out of nowhere. But, I mean, for a long time, it was 1A, 1B was Darnold and Rosen in some order. So, you know, the idea that just going to the New York Jets <laughs> is going to, you know, is somehow going to change what we thought we already knew about Sam Darnold is is just crazy. I mean, they're going to they took him with the third overall pick. They're going to build a, an offense around him. They're going to give him every chance to succeed and he's going to do it. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that Darnold fell to 107 is a it it's it's a little strange to me, and it's a little hard to justify, but I'm seeing him in, in other drafts falling to the the very end of the first round, and that's that's way too far. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, Travis, you are up at the 1.08 then. So this is actually a really, really difficult spot for me. Um, mm. Man, I don't really love any of the... Uh, like quote unquote chalky options at this spot if we have those yet at this point in the process um, I think it's but I'm supposed to be choosing between Rashad Penny, DJ Moore, Sonny Michelle I don't really like any of those players though <laughs> at this spot um, so the main goal is to trade back that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple players I like later on in the first round, but it's. I mean, it's crazy because it seems it's we've we we've, we've got this weird aversion to like reaching on people, but I don't know why that is. I mean, I like some guys. I don't know why I wouldn't just take them here. Like, I feel like I have to take guys that are that are valued by the consensus higher than the guys that I actually like more. So that's probably pretty silly. Um. So that being said, I'm going to go Royce Freeman. I'm going to take my guy. Ugh. Damn, that's a good one. That's who yeah. I was going to take. Hey, well, that makes me feel better him. about it. Um, <laughs> 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 I freaking love Royce Freeman. It's been talked about many times on this show. Um, and, and it's a fantastic landing spot. I mean, it's one of the few landing spots in this draft where he, where any running back could have come out and you could say, Yep, that's the dude. And I know you guys probably disagree with me, but 
Mm-hmm. Royce Freeman is 100% going to be the starting running back in week one. Devontae Booker and... No. D'Angelo... D'Angelo... D'Angelo Henderson, don't you dare. Don't you you do that. (laughs) Come on, man. Don't. You're you're offending me right now. You know his name. Didn't Will Ferrell play a a character named D'Angelo in a movie? Anyways. Oh, no, that was The Office. uh, The Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) Say his name. D'Angelo Ferrell. Anyway, so... (laughs) You son of... Devontae Fooker and D'Angelo Farrell are not going to take that job. Family podcast. Family podcast. Fooker. (laughs) Damn it. You're just offending everybody right now. No, it's F-O-O. And you're embarrassing yourself. (laughs) I think the embarrassment started when he said Royce You're crazy. I know, James, you hate it, and that's fine. And we... Don't make me... You know what? Dude, he's freaking good, man. He's... He... No, that's that's. Where I know, we and I know that is, and good. we will see ahead. very, very soon. I tell you what, though, I I I will admit as much as I don't, I I haven't been a Royce Freeman. It's a good fan, landing spot. This yeah. spot yeah. is a nice, nice yeah. landing spot, and it's not because he doesn't have. It's not because he doesn't have competition, though, because I I think you feel like he's going to walk in there and just just take the starting job. I don't think that, but I do think. That they don't have a back with his his skill set or his draft um, capital, a short, stout, big type <laughs> type back. Um, so I, I definitely think that there is a role that can be carved out for him. That being said, I don't think he's going to be very good at it, and so that's why I don't want him. But that's again just just me. Um, he was highly productive at Oregon. Obviously, uh, production was a big thing for him. Um, yeah, to base a lot of his. Uh, a lot of his 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 draft capital off of his production, and I mean, you know, his his. He's also got very very good metrics. Um, he had a decent oh, combine. Fine. Yeah, yeah, he he had he had a nice combine. Yeah, and and his his you know he, he has a good spark score and that sort of thing too. So yeah, I can I can see that, but um, I think if you, you watched love, him, on, uh, you love I watched up him on film and I didn't as like a see... derogatory term almost. Like <laughs> he's, he says, it I know, I cheek. know. You guys love his spark score. <laughs> no, I, it is. I'm not even it is about what it is. I just I'm feel about like overall I, athletic profile. He's freaking awesome, and he was crazy productive. But James doesn't like his film, so we'll use that same. But voice. wait a minute, Rashad Penny was crazy productive too. So you must love he him, right, have Travis? Nearly the same. Oh wait, no, Travis doesn't because Travis has reasons for it. Oh, really? Really? That's interesting because his athletic profile should be better than Freeman's. We're gonna have to look this up on the old playerprofile.com. I would would love, I I would love to see that. Yes, but anyways, um, I I will just say, yeah, I, I, am not a huge fan of Royce Freeman, but I do like the landing spot. I definitely think that there's potential there for him to carve out a role. So I don't totally hate the pick. I just wouldn't take him in the first round personally, but that's just... Not even in the first round? <laughs> just me. Oh, you're killing no, me, dude. No. All right, we're going way too slow. I know, we're and we're all over the map on all of these guys. So real quick, as a Broncos fan, I just want to point out that the reason that I like Royce Freeman is just because that depth chart is already set. He knows what you know it, the the path to to fantasy relevance and fantasy production is not going to change between 
now in September. All he has to do is overcome D'Angelo Henderson. That's no small feat. That's going to be tough, but what about he's got a chance to do it. You like uh, Booker? Booker's a passing downs guy. Yeah, he's his his role is set. He's the pass catcher. He's the third down back. But um, yeah, the as far as the early downs and short yardage and stuff, and I mean Freeman. If nothing else, Freeman should be the short yardage goal line guy. Um, he definitely has uh, better size than D'Angelo Henderson as far as that goes. So um, he he should he should have a defined role, and he does have the opportunity here to uh, to carve out an even bigger role. It just somehow he's got to get past the almighty D'Angelo Henderson, and I don't know if he can do it, but he's got a chance. He's got a I think he's got a clearer path than the rest of these guys. But I'm going to take Rashad Penny, even though I don't like that depth chart nearly as much. I do think that he still has a decent a, a decent opportunity here. I mean, I still I really like Chris Carson, guys. I really think that he's an electric playmaker that has to be on the field somehow. But I think that beyond him, you know, it's it's Rashad Penny and a bunch of no names. And uh, I may, maybe I do buy into draft capital sometimes, but you know you take a guy at the end of the you take a guy at the end of the first round like this, and you pass up on you know you pass over guys like Darius Geis and Nick Chubb to do it. Then I I mean I can't help but take notice to that. So yeah, I'm going with Rashad Penny at one point oh nine. Yeah, draft capital matters, John, but sometimes. And if even have even NFL teams f up, dude, this is a bad pick. Mm-hmm. This is a bad pick. Oh come on! No, not you. Well, yeah. you too. No, oh, he's that. fine in this. He's fine in this range. <laughs> I picked him too. I'm yeah. fine with Penny in this range. It was a bad pick for the okay. Seahawks. Oh, horrible, gotcha. horrible, horrible pick. They had so many glaring needs, and they think that they're going to fix their offense with Rashad Penny. In the first round? Are you fucking, sorry? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's madness, well, dude. It's madness. I'm, I can't even like. They need to fire their staff for that pick. It's ridiculous. All right, so so let's kind of look at it here. I mean, obviously they spent a lot of draft capital on him, so they plan on using him, right? And here's the one knock I hear about him all the time is that he just is a liability in pass blocking. My response to that is. So is Seattle's offensive line. He's going to fit in great because they can't pass block either. Russell Wilson's <laughs> always running around for his life. That so I, I don't think that that's going to matter. Like <laughs> it, it, it. Well, in Seattle's mind, I think it does, Travis, because they don't draft people who can pass block. But any, anyways, um, no, I, I definitely think you're right, though. Uh, they, they, they reached a, a little bit here. I mean, maybe not even a little bit, a lot. Um, but the fact that they did put this much draft capital into him, I mean, they're going to use him, right? I mean, you don't see them selecting a running back in the first round like this and then benching him for, like, any of the other backs that they have there, which aren't very good. So I, I definitely feel like Penny's going to get every opportunity to win that starting yeah. job, and it's just going to be a matter of, at this point of the, the draft, volume, how much the you value that absolutely opportunity, be in my yeah. opinion. But that's yeah. all I got. And I will say... I will say this. I think that there's a massive teardrop between Royce Freeman and Rashad Penny. And that's for the Ooh, entire... Ooh, you have Freeman above Penny? 
Yes, I do. Absolutely do. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, James, he's got James a, does not. He's got a clear path. That's all it I'm is. I'm sure. Right, James? Yeah, I, I do, I'm not high on either of them, to be honest. Wait, who's got a clear path? I probably have Penny oh, a little Freeman bit higher. Freeman has a clearer path than Penny. Than Penny? Dude, look at how Seattle uses their running backs. And it have ever since Marshawn Lynch, you know, when he first went down with an injury. And then it was Thomas wow. Rawls and CJ Proceis and Mike Davis and J.D. McKissick. And yeah, but then Chris they just Carson drafted and, a first-round running back. I don't. Think I like that I like Penny. More, I like Freeman more than Penny, but I would not be surprised in the least if Penny finished twenty eighteen with more carries than Freeman. Well, yeah, I mean that's definitely possible, but that's my problem with it. I have no. I I I really have no clue what Penny's role is going to be, and that's just the way. Seattle uses their running backs. The only ones that are more maddening are the Patriots, which is why I took Penny over Sony Michelle, by the way. <laughs> well, that's going to be a seamless transition to my pick because <laughs> at the 110, I, I, yeah, now I feel bad doing this because I'm not huge on Michelle and I don't love his landing spot, but like, you know, we haven't taken a receiver yet, and I don't know when I feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. I think this is, in my opinion, this is the, and you said that's kind of where your tier ends, is the Freeman Penny spot. To me, Michelle is in that tier, and that's why I'm going to take him here. Um, I'll take Sony Michelle at the 110. Um, look, I, I get it. I mean, New England is an enigma, especially when it comes to what they're going to do with their running backs. I don't trust it an awful lot. Um, Sony Michelle had some medical um, red flags that, you know, we kind of heard about, especially with um, kind of neon, you know, the, the knee issue, the bone on bone. And so you don't know how long he's going to last. But I, I tell you what, New England has in the past under Belichick shown that they do have some running backs that can produce. Um, you know, we, we saw LeGarrette Blount, whether it was touchdown based or not. We saw uh, Corey Dillon in the past. We, we've seen running backs that go there and produce. Um, and so I think with the draft capital that New England spends on Sony Michelle, he's going to have a, a, a you know, opportunity uh, sooner rather than later to kind of showcase that. So I'll take Michelle here, even though I don't feel great about it. Um, but I'm definitely interested to hear how you guys feel about uh, Sony Michelle and his landing spot. I don't have a whole lot else to say, to be honest. I mean, everything you said kind of covers why I'm concerned about it. I mean, there is the the injury risk. There's also just a simple fact that he's a New England Patriot and they seem to hate their running backs for some reason. Um, I definitely hate fantasy players who are trying to use their running backs. So yeah, I, I, it, in this range, I don't know who else I would take necessarily. I'm with you. I'm not quite there with the wide receivers. I mean, maybe carry on Johnson would be a possibility just because I like his role a little bit better, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, this is fine for Sony. I just I, I'm nervous about him. Yeah, I, th- I think says you I think I'm yeah I'm right on the same page. Part of me just I mean the the upside's there, right? That's why he's still going. I mean he's going higher than this normally. I think we're I think he fell for us kind of. Um, I mean I've seen you know some people have met up in that top four even where I I don't know. I couldn't do that, but the upside's there, and that's why he's a first-round player, a first-round rookie pick. 
because this could be, I mean, there's that small part of you, right, that thinks, is this the end to the, the Belichick running back carousel? Like, could this be, like, could Sonny Michelle finally be the guy that breaks that mold? And so, I don't know, it's not likely, but it's a possibility. And so, and, and it's a good offense, right? Like, that's a, that's a large part of it is there's going to be touchdown opportunities for him. And, yeah, so, yeah, I can't really blame you for it. It's a good pick, especially at, what are we at, 110? All right, well, I'm up again here at the 111. And let's see, Michelle just went off the board. Let's see, I'm up again in three picks. I think I can get that guy in three picks. I'm going to go carry on Johnson. Oh, nice. Nice, okay. So there's that... I, th- I think the tier ends here um, at running back. Yeah. And so that's that's really why I went this route. Uh, I think after Freeman and, and Johnson are off the board, there's a big drop-off to the next the next running back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really my whole argument. Uh, I think I, I, I liked carry on Johnson pre-draft. The landing spot, really, I don't know, I'm kind of iffy. I mean, obviously they've yet to get their running game going. I mean, for a long, long time. I think I read like they haven't had a hundred yard rusher in like three and a half calendar years or something like something crazy like that. Um, don't bet me on that. I don't know if that stats right or not, but uh, yeah, I I don't know if really they're a team that's gonna <clears throat> pound the ball enough to really make him an elite fantasy option but they obviously are trying to fix that position with drafting him in the second round so you gotta believe they're gonna give him a shot week one or i mean at a minimum year one right like to to take that job and i think he i i think he legitimately hops uh all the other options as far as abdullah and blunt uh and gets the the majority of the carries I just don't know if they're a team that's really... I mean, I don't know if their offensive line is any good. I don't know if they're a team that's going to commit to to the run to give him the opportunity to produce at, at, at an elite level. But generally speaking, the opportunity's there, and you got to think that they're going to use him, uh, taking him that early. So... Yeah, totally. That, that's my whole argument. <laughs> totally agree on all of that. Um <clears throat> yeah, James, do you have any uh points of contention on that or or can I can I pick a No, no, not not really. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all you. I I pretty much agree with everything Travis said. So nice. yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. Receiver 1 at 112, is this going to happen? Time time to pop the cherry on those wide receivers. So, all right, let me but I do need to preface this because I'm going to take Cortland Sutton because he's been a a huge favorite of mine for over a year now and uh, and then he landed on the denver broncos my favorite team (laughs) so i mean i don't if it wasn't for all of those factors all those are powerful forces by the way boys so but if it wasn't for all of that if it wasn't you know if i wasn't such a fanboy and then he lands on my favorite team as well I I think that in a moment of clarity, I would be able to admit that 
Calvin Ridley is probably the the best wide receiver in this draft class based on, you know, the combination of talent and landing spot. DJ Moore is awfully close. But I do think Cortland Sutton is in that conversation anyways. And so, you know, just just based on the fact that I've I just can't get enough of Cortland Sutton and I've just been giddy ever since the draft after this pick. I'm gonna go ahead and take him here and admit full well that there's very little analysis to this, just uh just a a little crush, I guess. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I like Cortland Sutton too. Um, I, I he's um, a, a highly ranked receiver of mine. You know, coming into the draft, I think if you take him, um, you're probably not expecting immediate return right away. I don't know what Denver does at receiver. Um, I don't know if they have plans on moving Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders this year. Um, but if they don't and they keep them, then obviously I think Cortland Sutton is probably a third option at best this year. Um, but I, I think that it's pretty clear that they're looking to move on from one, if not both of those guys, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in the future. And so I think Cortland Sutton's role just will expand. So I like Cortland Sutton. Again, I don't know if you're expecting a, an awful lot out of him this year, but moving forward, I think his role continues to grow and I, I, uh, I like him as a player. So um, I think the interesting thing also is, you know, how much faith do you have in Case Keenum? Uh, Denver really didn't address the quarterback situation. Is is it because of Chad Kelly or Case Keenum? Um, if Chase Keenum is the quarterback of the future there, then you know I think the Cortland Sutton pick is is a little looks even better. Um, but if not, if you're not sold that Case Keenum is is you know can be a, a a decent fantasy quarterback or a decent quarterback in general, then that might lower Sutton's value too. So um, I guess it just kind of depends on how you feel that way um, as well, in my opinion. But what do you think, Travis, about Sutton here? Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I he's I, I like him. I, I also really like the fact that he's going to be able to kind of take a back seat for a little while and learn from these guys because I don't think he's a very polished receiver. Um. So yeah, I, I'm on board with that. I I don't think you should ex- I don't think you should expect much year one. Um, but as long as you go into it knowing that. I I definitely like the pick and I like the upside. I wouldn't be too surprised if he does have a role in year one. By the way, um, just wanted to. I don't want to spend. All- I mean, he'll have more of a role than Treadwell did. But I, I yeah. mean, realistically, with Demarius and Sanders there, are you expecting him to catch more than fifty balls? Well, I so I don't expect a, a lot out of rookie receivers, just as a general rule. But I think that I I'm not so sure that. Emmanuel Sanders makes it to the regular season as a member of the Denver Broncos. I think something's coming here. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't really catch on to it until they drafted Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth round. And that's where it started to become apparent to me that something something's up here. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I have a feeling that Emmanuel Sanders is on his way out. So, that's part of why I make the pick here of Sutton because I think that he might end up playing a role, a significant role sooner rather than later, like as early as week one. But that's all speculation on my part. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by gtbets.eu. 
an official sponsor of the Super Flexible Podcast and the Dynasty Football Network. Are you looking to get some action in on today's games? Head over to gtbets.eu for all of your sports betting needs with updated odds covering all major sports. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first bet within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So register now and earn up to $500 in free money. Simply add Superflex in the referred by field to get the highest possible welcome bonus. That's Superflex, all one word, for your welcome bonus at gtbets.eu. Um, I'm up with the first pick of the second round, the 2.01 here. And, you know, it's interesting. Before I, I kind of say what my pick is, every now and then you get a player who I think the general consensus falls down on a little bit. And um, my consensus on this player was I had him kind of as a mid-second round pick before the draft. I've raised him up a little bit, and this is probably the earliest I think I'd want to take him. Um, but the fact that he's down here, um, I don't think he was pre, uh, you know, previously before the draft. So I think I've come up on him, and the general consensus has gone down on him a little bit. And I'm going to take DJ Moore, um, the wide receiver here for Carolina. Um, and I, you know, really, it took me a little bit to kind of figure out how I felt about DJ Moore going to Carolina. Um, but after I evaluated the draft, you know, Carolina didn't draft a running back. And they let Jonathan Stewart go, which means, I mean, that, that must mean big things uh, for uh, Christian McCaffrey, right? Because, I mean, all they have is Cameron Artisan Payne outside of him. And, I mean, I... So looking at the running situation, I don't know if they're going to run the ball very much. I think Carolina is going to spread spread the defenses out. They're going to throw the ball a bunch. That's Christian McCaffrey's forte. That's what he does best. And I feel like DJ Moore is going to be something that offense hasn't had. It's going to be a legitimate receiver coming out of the slot, or even if they put him at the two spot, that can win close to the line of scrimmage. It'll help Cam get rid of the ball quicker. And I really think that it's going to make this offense a little bit more multifaceted. Um, with Greg Olson working the seam and the, the hulking bunches kind of outside, I think that's something that this offense was missing. So I'm going to take DJ Moore because I think he's going to catch a bunch of balls, and um, and I, I kind of like his value a little bit more here now that he ended up in Carolina. I think I'm I'm probably in the minority with that, but that's, that's kind of my take on it. Um, what do you guys think? I absolutely cannot fault you for taking him here. Um there's a lot of people are saying he's dynasty rookie wide receiver one and that's fine. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I might be crazy. I might be in the minority on this one because of just what I've heard so far in the last few days since the draft, but I hate this landing spot for him and I'm hearing people love it. I'm, I'm hearing people absolutely love the landing spot for DJ Moore, and I hate it. I just don't I don't know that he's a wide receiver one and he's he's gone to a team now that has Cam Newton who's not a very accurate passer if we're being honest with ourselves and he's not some he's not one of these guys that Cam Newton's used to throwing to these big bodied wide receivers that he can just kind of lob it in the area and and hope that they come down with it. I don't I'm just I'm not optimistic. Uh, and I, I could absolutely be wrong, but that's kind of where I'm at with, with the landing spot specifically. DJ Moore is a good player, but I think he's overhyped. 
just based on I, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one in the NFL, and I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy. But that all that being said, at the 201, I think you're absolutely getting a value on him. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know that there is a, a fantasy wide receiver one, in my opinion, in this draft, so I, I, I probably agree with that um, personally. But yeah, what, what do you think, John? What are your takes on DJ Moore? Yeah, he, this, he's easily the, the hardest to evaluate in this entire rookie class to me regardless of position and it's because they're so i mean people are so split on this and it's opposite ends of the spectrum just like you guys are i'm having a really hard time with this one because i i agree with travis to a certain extent i mean you know just like bringing in you know bringing in a, a route runner and pass catcher like dj moore doesn't doesn't magically fix Cam Newton's accuracy issues. But I I I don't know. I mean, I you could also there's also a little bit of a chicken in the egg thing here. I don't know necessarily that the accuracy issues are all Cam's fault. They've all they've kind of gone with a certain type of wide receiver throughout most of his career other than, you know, the early days with Steve Smith and they have they definitely haven't been the type of guys that you know that that serve the purpose that Cam Newton needs them to serve so man i could see this going either way and i wish i had you know better better analysis on this one but i'm just so torn on dj moore i i think that you know like travis said i think that the landings that where you got him is fine at 201 um but yeah beyond that i I don't really have a whole lot to say either way about DJ Moore. I'm I'm mostly fading him just because I don't know, you know. I've got to take a wait and see approach with him. Okay, yeah, that's interesting cuz I I think most people, I think Travis is right. Most people I hear are are really high on Moore, but I I've the drafts I've been in, he's mm-hmm. he's fallen um from where he went pre-draft. So that's that's where I'm a little confused on it, um, but either way, yeah, I think uh, I think if you can get a player like that in the second round, it's worth yeah, the risk at that point. Definitely. But um, but yeah. So Travis, looks like you're up with the second pick of the second round, but the two point oh two. All right. So there's actually there's a guy I was considering at the one eleven. Um. And honestly, there's so many players on the board still here that I think he might fall to me at the 205. So we'll do this as a little little thought experiment here uh, and see what really happens if you wait on a guy that you like. Because I generally don't uh, preach that that strategy. Um, I'm gonna try and take. I was in a, if I was in a real rookie draft, I would take my I would take my guy right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, uh, well, obviously the chances of me having a pick th- three picks later are less likely. And also, I mean, it matters more, right? And, and I would, I mean, I, if, if this was legit and I was wanting this guy on my team, I would just take him, but I'm going to pass on that guy. And I am going to take <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Nice. Um, I, so I'm taking, I'm taking him above Josh Allen. I don't think that's a huge surprise no. for us here. No, that's um, fine. 
Yeah, that's good. and at, yeah. I mean, with the the fourth QB off the board, obviously, when you're drafting Lamar Jackson, you have to realize that you're probably not going to get anything from him at all year one, and maybe not even year two. Um, that being said, I think it's fantastic that he went to a spot where he doesn't have to start right away. Uh, I think that he, I think he can benefit immensely from sitting behind a quarterback, even if it's Joe Flacco, uh, for a year or two, and and kind of get caught up on the NFL game speed and learn, you know, learn what it's like to be a franchise quarterback. And yeah, I mean, he's not. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody was touting him for like, yeah, he can start right away and produce on the ground. And he can be a fantasy relevant quarterback, but as if we're talking long term quarterback asset, we don't. That's not really what we want. Like, do we want Lamar Jackson to go to Buffalo and start Week One and and be productive for fantasy for three years, but not really be productive for for the NFL for three years and then flame out and be out of the league in four years, like? That's not really what I want, so I'm I'm glad he went where he went. Um, I'm I'm happy to take him here in the at the two o two, and I think the upside is is still there, and it's pretty huge. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's definitely interesting. I'm not as high on Lamar Jackson overall, um, but I will admit I think he wound up in a pretty good situation, like you said. Um, he's working with coaches that have worked with some running quarterbacks or some quarterbacks that can move the pocket. Um, guys who have worked with like Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick, those types of players, and uh, and I mean, obviously they kind of made some success with that. So um, I, I kind of like the landing spot for him. Um, I agree that him sitting behind Flacco is okay. Um, but I, and that's, that's my issue. And I think at this point of the draft, there's enough upside in a super flex league that I wouldn't mind taking him at this spot. Um, so I don't want to sound like I'm totally down on it, but my whole thing is, is that I think a, there's a lot of risk and B, the, the only thing I will say is that there. I hope Baltimore understands that when they do move from Flacco to Lamar Jackson, you have to, I mean, it's got to be a totally different offense. I mean, because the things that Lamar Jackson does well are the things that Flacco doesn't do well, which, I mean, there's numerous things that Flacco doesn't do well. But, I mean, if you look at Lamar Jackson's skill set, you know, the things that he really does well, um, running on the move, or uh, I'm sorry, throwing on the move, um, arm strength, uh, which I guess he does have in, in lines with Flacco, but I mean, making feet with, or making uh, plays with his feet, um, gaining yards that way, those are things that Flacco doesn't do. He's kind of, you know, cemented in the pocket. He's not uh, an agile type guy. He's not a guy who can extend plays. You know, things are going to change. So as long as they kind of understand that, I think Lamar Jackson has a good chance at being fantasy relevant for a while. So, um, Kind of interested to see what John has to say, though. I mean, so this feels like where Lamar Jackson belongs, kind of in this range. So I'm really glad that, Travis, you dove on the grenade because I really didn't want to have to take him. But um, this is, this is in the super flex, this is where you've got to start taking, you know, a, a guy with that type of upside, even though I, I really don't believe he's going to play this year. Um very much, if at all. I think that we're kind of looking at a 
it at Pat yeah, Mahomes. No, I, I mean, I said that. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm he just might, he might not even play next year. Yeah, it's that's possible. Um, I, I mean, I think that you've got to start working him in as as soon as you can. But yeah, I, I just I don't think it'll happen this year. And and it it just makes it tough to draft a quarterback that you have to wait that long for. But I mean, in a super flex, I, this is this is kind of the range where uh, where you need to take a guy like that, um, especially you know if you if you've got deficiencies at the quarterback position. So I think this is the right place to take him. Um, I, like I said, I just I didn't want to be the one to have to do it. So so I'm glad you did it for me. <laughs> and I awesome. can, so I can go back to the wide receivers and I can take a guy who I think might be the number one wide receiver in this draft class, partly because of the landing spot. I'm going to take Calvin Ridley um, just because I, I love the idea of him opposite Julio Jones with Julio taking away the, the tougher coverage and, you know, leaving Calvin Ridley on the number two cornerback particularly in the NFC South. I I man, he could he could go absolutely nuts here. So um in that situation and you could actually get some some wide receiver 3 type production from him as early as this year. So I'm going to take Calvin Ridley for a a fairly high floor for a rookie wide receiver and all the ceiling in the world um going forward. Yeah, I think um I think it's an interesting pick. I, I like Calvin Ridley, but I, I would say I'd caution you in thinking that he's a number two. Um, he's probably a guy who projects best for the slot. Um, he might be the number two option there, but he's definitely going to be a slot receiver, in my opinion. Just his frame can't handle um, being on the outside. I think with his route running ability, too, he's best used in the slot. Um, so I think he'll be a slot receiver, and I think that limits him a little bit just because um, – you know, I think that that's going to be his role. I don't think he's a guy that can you can move around very often. Um, but I, I definitely like Calvin Ridley in that offense. I think, um, you know, I think him being able to get open in that short area, that, you know, using that short area burst and the route running he has, I think that's really going to help out a lot of other parts of this offense, one being Julio Jones. And the other, I think that opens up things for Austin Hooper a little bit to work the seam. And we haven't really seen that a lot from Hooper and I think he's you know he's a guy who's capable um and I think that this might help him out even more so um I don't mind Calvin Ridway at all here I just think that he's probably a guy that you're looking at as a slot receiver and hey Ugh. the NFL's going that way I don't I don't mind I don't mind it being that but I I just I would say that that's probably hmm. his role um but what do you think Travis I think you just broke John's heart because John hates slot receivers. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Uh-oh. I can't really. I mean, Calvin Uh-oh. Ridley, I'm sorry. most likely. I mean, this isn't a crazy value on him, but I think he still goes end of the first round in, in most drafts. So I think he fell mm-hmm. a little bit for us. And... Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's going to be a solid contributor, and that's all I'm going to say about him. I I think his upside is capped. All right, well, you're up at the 204, uh, James. 
man, I, I tell you what, this pick is the most conflicted I've been in this in this mock right now. Um, there's about four wide receivers that I want on my roster. There's a quarterback I could go with. There's tight end. I mean, there's even even running back starts to take shape pretty quick here. Um, so, I mean, it, it's definitely difficult um, to make a decision here. Uh, man, I mean, I. I'm going to pass on one of my favorites just because I think I can get him later, which I'm going to use kind of Travis's thing. Don't you dare snipe um, me, I'm going to pass on one of my... <laughs> I won't, him. I won't, and I think I know. Uh, I think I know who you want, but I I, I, I just can't do it. Um, you know what? No, no! I can't, do it. I can't no! and I'm going to tell you yes. why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm no, going to take it. him because he is going to be catching you. passes I will hate you so much. from a future Hall of so Fame quarterback. I am going to take no, Christian bastard. Kirk. Uh, wide bastard. receiver for Arizona, and look, I, I tell you what, I, I think his landing spot was perfect. Um, he's gonna, I, I think he's he slides right in, uh, right across from Fitz. Um, I think he has a, a different skill set to where I think he complements Fitz really well, and I like what they did at quarterback. I mean, if Bradford does go down, I feel a whole lot better about Josh Rosen coming in there and the future of Rosen and Kirk growing together in that offense. Um, I, I I really like the landing spot for Kirk. That helped move him up my rankings a little bit. And so I'm going to take Christian Kirk here. Um, and I feel pretty good about it, getting him here at, uh, you know, like mid-second round. Um, I think that's about where I'd, I'd feel comfortable taking him. So, um, Travis, I, I think I know how you feel about it. But uh, I'd like to hear uh, your and John's thoughts here. I hate you so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's for all the Baker Mayfield garbage that you've been giving should, me. You know what? This is a lesson now learned, even. man. Lesson freaking learned on nice. my part. I am going to shut my <laughs> mouth <laughs> when somebody else is oh on the clock gosh. and not tell them to not snipe me because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I instigated that yeah. pick from you. And that's fine. So we don't – I love Christian Kirk. I think I think he is a very very good NFL wide receiver, and will he ever be a wide receiver one? Probably not, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, especially at the two hundred four, um, it was a. I mean, I felt like so. Yeah, this was the gamble I took. I I passed on him at two hundred two to take Lamar Jackson. I said that out loud, and then James knows I like Kirk, and then I tried to talk some shit about him not sniping me, and I got sniped. So that's what I get. I'm up at two oh five, and this makes my pick a lot harder, James. And I hate you. <laughs> I hate you a lot. Um, thanks. Oh man, there is like this is really thinning out here a little bit oh man see i'm totally opposite of that but okay yeah, a lot of people like michael gallup and anthony miller and james washington and dante pettis and i don't think i don't think i'm gonna own dante pettis anywhere he went oh, wow. he went so high compared to where i had him i just man i think i think he's gonna be drafted too high anyways um ha huh, this is rough I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Michael Gallup. Uh, I don't really love it. Uh, I, he's a good player. 
and mainly I'm taking him because of the lack of receiving options in Dallas. I think he might have uh, an immediate opportunity to succeed, and that's pretty much it. So what do you guys think about Michael Gallup? I like Gallup, honestly. I, I liked him pre-draft, though. Um, I was higher on him than consensus. So him going to Dallas, to me, is is nice. Um, I definitely think he has opportunity. I am a little concerned because um, I just don't know how accurate Dak can be when throwing him the ball, and that's going to be my, my kind of concern. And not that I think Dak can't be a, a good NFL quarterback. I just I, I think the one thing with Gallup is – is I don't know if his catch catch radius is as good as some of the others, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but kind of kind of what I saw was I'm I'm a little worried about that. So, um, but I, I like Michael Gallup. I think opportunities there, and I'm yeah I, I like the pick here. Yeah, I just like the situation. I mean, this is a guy drafted to be the number one wide receiver in a what could be a very good offense. So I, I get James's concern, but. Um, it, I, I just, I like the situation and especially at this point in the draft, I mean, you know, there, there's going to be blemishes on, on all of these guys and he has one of the higher ceilings of all the guys left. Um, it, so for me, it was between him and Anthony Miller. And, uh, so you made the decision pretty easy for me because I mean, I, I'm not a huge, I'm still not a fan of uh I'm still not not a huge fan of Allen Robinson. I don't necessarily trust him. Um even when he's healthy, I just I I I don't feel like there's a ton of upside there and I really like what Anthony Miller brings to that Bears offense. So, um I think that uh that he's got a great opportunity here in what you know, what we've talked about before. This this could be an offense ready to take a massive step. And I think he could be a huge part of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to get Anthony Miller at 2.06. Yeah, man, I, I love the player. And, Travis, I want to make you feel a little bit better because when I sniped you <laughs> and I took Christian Kirk, my pick would have been Anthony Miller. So oh, I just got sniped because I sniped you. So that's karma. Yes, right I love it. <laughs> love the Anthony Miller pick, though. Um, I, I, I was really high on him. I think there were others that were really high on him, too. Um, and then he lands in, in a great situation going to Chicago um, where he's competing with uh, Kevin White. The is Walking that a Dead. great situation, um, though? Well, I mean, for opportunity, I think it is. And As I don't a wide know, receiver, I mean, too? I th- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean A-Rob's I, I definitely... there for, what, two two to three years at a minimum. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're looking at the middle of the second round, who else are you looking at that's going to have wide receiver two upside that's still on the board? Um, I don't think anyone. And not to mention the fact that, I mean, for someone who's not very high on Jordan Howard, you would think that he should get some more opportunity to catch the ball at wide receiver two um, if, if, if uh, Jordan Howard's not getting it done. So, um, but no, I, I, I love the pick. Uh, but Travis, I'm kind of interested to hear what you think now. This, this like, 204 to, like, the end of the draft range is really, <laughs> really up in the air. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, we're so, I mean, we're, what, four days removed from the NFL, from, from the first round, right? Like, we're only, what, two days removed from the actual end of the draft. We're recording on Monday, so at this point in the process, 
202 and beyond is like the wild wild west man yeah anybody seriously. can and anybody can go anywhere and and you can't really blame them for it <laughs> so yeah dj Moore. i, is I the mean miller real slam dunk maybe maybe not <laughs> but, I, I don't see any other slam dunks in the second round in this second right. round christian kirk but anyways so james you're oh, up you're up at the 207 207 wow. this might go what? a little too far what, what? yeah okay <laughs> james what all right well t- 2.07 um i i really wanted anthony miller but he's gone so i can't take him and that hurts my heart but instead, I am going to take a player that everybody hates. I'm going to take Josh Allen, uh, quarterback for the Bills. And look, I, we talk about draft capital all the time, right? Buffalo moved up to take this guy. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. He has a lot to work on. We've been over Josh, uh, Josh Allen a lot and about how we didn't think he was worth a top 10 pick. But guess what? A team spent it on him. They spent that draft capital on him. They don't ha- really have anybody else outside of A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. Um, so I think that uh, Josh Allen is going to get opportunities sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know that that's a great thing for him, but I guess we'll see. Um, that there's a lot of NFL scouts that seem to be very high on him, and uh, I guess we'll see whether or not um, you know that the, the raw physical traits that he has can kind of be nurtured to the point where he um, can translate some of those some of those uh features onto uh, onto the field and actually be a playmaker so i i will see but here in a super flex um at the 2.07 i think it's worth the risk so interested to hear what you guys have to think about my wonderful josh allen pick here yeah Dude, he, ha- he had to go sorry yeah. go ahead <laughs> yeah i was gonna say essentially the same thing i think it was it was time he's in a super flex league this is this is where you draft him. It's fine. Yeah, you can only wait so long. He had yeah. he is absolutely going to be a second round pick at a, at a minimum in every super flex. Like, there's no way he falls much farther than this. I mean, you got you got to pull the trigger at some point. I obvi- obviously none of us are huge fans, or else he wouldn't have fallen this far. I just think, you know, the Bills, maybe the Bills franchise, they tasted that, that they, they had a little lick of the playoffs and, and it tasted a little sour. So they wanted to make sure they didn't make the playoffs again for another 17 years. And that's why they drafted, drafted Josh Allen. So uh, that's it. That's all I've got. They could have just started Peterman if they wanted that to happen, but no, they wanted to really, really tank. <laughs> I don't know, man. I saw Peterman. What was that? Like five or six picks in a game? Five in a half, I half. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh Allen is going to have his work cut out for him if he's going to outperform <laughs> he that, might that ju- guy. He might just outdo that. He might just do that. Wow, <laughs> wow. All right, I got twenty bucks that says he doesn't, Travis. That's not very good. That's <laughs> not very good odds. <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna bet. We're not gonna bet how bad Josh. That's not very good odds right. for me. I'm gonna pass what, on that. Whatever, bet. Travis. Well, you know what? You're up with the two point oh eight. All right, 2.08. Let's see here. Hmm. Man, running back is like really. That tier is for real, dude. 
Yep. That Royce Freeman Carryon Johnson tier is is a legit break off. Big. Tier. I think that's a big, yeah. big, big takeaway. Yep. Um, Post draft. Yeah. Running I mean, the next back, in line for in me. I mean, the next the next running back to even consider. I don't want to say it out loud because we got some picks left, but it's not. It's way. It's pretty far down. Um, I want to take, I want to take running back here because I feel like they're, I mean, I've said this before, but the chance of a running, a rookie running back tripling in value year one is significantly higher than any other position. So, I mean, if you're shooting for upside, that's where it's at right there. Um, but Oh man, <laughs> this is tough. Two oh eight. <laughs> what Travis is saying is try to trade this pick for a future yeah, second, exactly, because he is not he is not liking what he sees at the two point oh eight here. Yeah, man, it's really like it gets tough here. Oh, yep. it's real. Yeah, that two oh two oh three to two oh four is really the kind of that drop off for me. It, there's After a, throwing Dante Pettis uh, and James Washington under the bus, it'll be interesting to see what <laughs> Travis does with this pick. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like those guys are like three and four for my options right now. Oh wow! Wow! All right. Well, who's one? That's what we're waiting <laughs> on, man. I know it. I know it. Shut the hell up! I know it. Tight end time. That's the only one that hasn't fallen off a cliff yet. I'm really, Ooh. I'm really, really considering tight end or just reaching on a running back oh i'm just making sound effects at this <laughs> yeah point. i don't want i don't That's want just, i don't want dj chark i don't want dante pettis i don't want dj chark dun, dun, dun. james washington is interesting but mm-hmm. he's wide receiver three there for mm-hmm. who knows how long all right, I'm taking too long. This doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> oh, this hurts my heart. I'm going to go with Kalen Balage. Oh, no. Uh, oh, that's gross. I know. I know it's no, gross. I know it's gross. I'm joking. I don't, no, I don't hate it. sniped me. That's why I'm groaning. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel better, guys. Thanks. Good. Uh, yeah, I'm happy for you. <laughs> It's really not, dude. This is a this is a legitimate tear drop off, and I think that might be the the largest takeaway from this episode. Is once you pass Royce Freeman and carry on Johnson, there's a deep deep drop. Yep. Yeah. And I think I think Kalen Balaj is probably the next one, but I'm not even really sure about that. I like. I mean, Naheem Hines, the Colts is pretty interesting. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Naheem Hines For, is going to be two oh nine since Balaj went two oh eight. So just to just to take away any kind of any kind of drama, any kind well, of suspense. There you go. Yeah. To to me, I this just, is so. This is where you go back to running back, and there's two of them, and then and then you're right back to throwing darts at the wide receivers. Yeah, there seems to really be another drop off here, and, yep. and that's pretty strange to me. Um, there's 
yeah, I mean, Chase Edmonds, Ido Smith, Justin Jackson, like we're talking, John Kelly's with the Rams now, like, there, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there's a deep, deep drop off after Freeman and and carry on, and then there's two. There's Balage and Hines. Yeah, we'll see. I'm interested to see what James thinks. But my my piece on Balage real quick. Basically, at the 208, you really, in my opinion, you should be shooting for upside. Why are you going to take this pick? if you're not shooting for the the maximum upside. And he went to a situation that's kind of sort of open. Um, it's not one of the ideal situations for a running back that was selected as late as Balage was, but he's really only got Kenyon Drake to deal with. And if he's going to succeed, it's going to be through the passing game as far as, I mean, as, at least immediately. But he has the upside. Balage has the upside and the frame to be more than that. But he's got the receiving skills to be involved right away. And so that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Balage in this area. Um, I think I think he has the opportunity to carve out a role pretty quickly. And should Kenyon Drake either go down with injury or be ineffective... I think that he's got upside to be eventually a, th- a three down back. And at the 208, I mean, what else are you going to ask for? Yeah. And I, like I said, I was going to take Kalen Balage with a slight edge over Naheem Hines because, I mean, it's, it's a bad offense, but it's one where, you know, he does have a little bit more of a defined path believe it or not, than Naheem Hines. And so I'm taking Naheem Hines with 2.09, and I think that we can bunch these two together and then let James just kind of go off on the the pair of them. But I'm taking Naheem Hines at 2.09 because right now, I mean, he's the lead back in Indianapolis, unless you're, you know, you still believe in Marlon Mack. And granted, they're very similar players. I have a feeling that there's more to come in uh, building that roster. Um, I, you know, I could still see DeMarco Murray landing there or uh, CJ Anderson landing there. So I think that there's some competition coming for Naheem Hines where Kalen Balage, I think that depth chart is pretty well set at this point. And uh, so it's kind of the same thing, you know, the same reason that I've got Royce Freeman over a few of these other guys, uh, a few of the, uh, the first round type guys. Just because it's it's just more defined um, right at the moment, but I think Naheem Hines and Kalen Balaj are awfully close, and I don't see any players at any other position who are particularly close to them at, at this you know mid to late second round range. Yeah, that you know, and that's interesting to me because I'd probably take two or three wide receivers and at least one tight end over these guys. So personally, I don't think. I'd be going running back at this spot. However, if I was, I think those are the two guys I'd probably consider. Um, I, I think you guys pretty much said everything that needs to be said. I mean, Balage, um, there's upside there. He can carve out a role in that offense, I think. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what, you know, what 
what Kamal Balaj is. I think he's kind of an enigma coming out of the draft is, you know, what what does Kamal Balaj end up being? But one of the things that he definitely is, is he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think he can at least give you, um, you know, that um, there. And I think Naheem Hines, I think like John said, he's kind of Marlon Mack 2.0. And I do think that, you know, the, the Colts, Look, they very well could bring a running back in, John, but I don't know if that's a guarantee. They need help at wide receiver, too. And I don't know that they can fill all these holes that they need um, <clears throat> through free agency yet. So I'm not sure what, what ends up happening and there. And find but a quarterback. We I know. Do think, we know. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> no, no, no. They, Dude, they've got Brissett. <laughs> They're fine. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah. But no, anyways, anyways, no, I, I, I like Heinz. Um, so I like the picks there. If you're going to go running back, these are the two I'd go with. Um, but I tell you what, that, that puts me on the clock here. And you guys made my decision really tough because I was, I had it narrowed down to two players and you guys didn't take either of them. So now I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I guess I'm going to go with one of the guys who I was really high on pre-draft. He went into a position. I don't really know what to make of it. But I'm going to take Dante Pettis here. And Dante Pettis is a guy who I, I liked um, pre-draft. I saw a guy who, um, you know, has, has elite speed, um, is going to be, I, I think he's going to be active every game because just based on the fact that he's an excellent return guy, he's, he's good at punt and kick returns, which I think adds to his value a little bit. And I also feel like he can be a, a good number three. Um, I think it's going to be between him and Trent Taylor kind of battling for that slot position. So, um, I think he can carve out a niche in this offense, possibly. Um, if not this year, then next year. Um, but at this point of the draft, I mean, you're 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 grabbing at guys who have that high upside. I think Pettis can be. I I think the 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 ceiling that I see for him is a Deshaun Jackson type. I really do. I feel like this is a guy who runs pretty good routes. Um, he's tougher than he kind of looks. He has a wiry frame. But he's got such a weed speed and playmaking ability out in the open field that I feel like he's the kind of guy who, if he pans out, he's Deshaun Jackson. So at this point of the draft, I mean, yeah, there's there's bust potential there. But the fact that he could break out and be something special, I think at that point, that's that's why I'm taking him. So um, I know Travis isn't very high on him. Um, John, you're probably not either, but I'd like to kind of hear what you guys think of the pick at least. I'm, I'm not super low on him. No. I think it's fine. I mean, dude, he yeah, was selected forty okay. fourth overall. Yeah, that's yeah. nuts. That's so high. Mm-hmm. I, I, if it wasn't for Rashad Penny, I feel like that's that's who we'd be talking about. It's Pettis being drafted. That yeah, way. yeah, he's definitely an underrated reach. And I mean, not even I, I, I forgive the Forty ers more for the Pettis pick than I do the Seahawks for the Penny pick, like. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. No, I agree so, with that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm all right with it. I mean, and, and like, we, like we've been talking about, we're at the 210 here. Like, it, it's all, it's it's open season right now. So, take your guy, and, and I'm totally okay with that. I just don't know. I don't know what the upside is, I guess. I, I guess when you're at the two the, the 210, what what upside are you hoping for really anyways um but yeah i mean i don't i don't hate it it's it i it's an okay pick here for sure and it's your dude so that's been your dude pre-draft so by all means go get your guy 
Yeah, yeah, that helps. What do you think, uh, John? Yeah, I mean, he was in consideration for me at 209. It was just the problem for me was, you know, I'm looking at Naheem Hines and then a long, long drop before I get to John Kelly. So, you know, it's kind of the last chance to take a running back who I think has any kind of upside, you know, right at the moment anyways. So um, if it wasn't for that, you know, if Naheem Hines wasn't there, Dante Pettis was was easily my next guy. I mean, he's going to, you know, just like you said, I mean, he's 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 going to an elite offense, at least we think so. And I don't know, it, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of talent left here with the type of situation that he's in and the type of opportunity that he has. So, yeah, I think it's a perfectly, perfectly good pick for uh, for where it's at. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, we got two picks left. Travis, you're on the clock here with your last pick at the 211. Yep, 211. Um, I'm going to probably take kind of a, a dark horse player here. I'll be interested to see your guys' reaction because I'm taking him over James Washington, who I think is kind of the faller here, and we might get some heat for, for James Washington falling this far. But I just really – I really don't like that landing spot at all. Nope. Um, so I'm going to pass on James Washington, and I'm going to draft Traquan Smith, uh, wide receiver Saints for anybody who doesn't know who he is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like receivers with opportunity on elite offenses with elite quarterbacks. So <laughs> that's really that's really it. Um, I, I kind of sort of liked him pre-draft. I mean, I thought he was I thought he was a decent player with some with some upside. Um, but he goes to the Saints. They've got Michael Thomas, and then what? They've got Ted Ginn, Cam Meredith. I, I mean, none of those. Neither of those two guys are, are any anything special, right? So, I don't know. I Traquan Smith's a good player. I think he could take over that wide receiver two role as early as this year and and have decent production. So, two eleven, Traquan Smith. What do you guys think? Love it. I, I love this pick. Hey, I, oh, cool. I think you nailed it, man. Home <laughs> run. Because Traquan Smith, obviously, I mean, when you watched him at UCF, he was highly productive. He was he, he looked the part of a good player. And then, I mean, the Saints took him. Didn't they take him in the third round? I mean, they, they took him pretty high. Really I thought high. it was the third round. But either way, they, they took him high. And I think that shows, you know. I mean, I Cam Meredith is a guy who, you know, he, he fills what the Willie – Willie Sneed role. I mean, he's a slot guy, but a, a, you know, a guy who could play outside opposite of Michael Thomas, I think is going to be Traquan Smith. So I, I really like it. I, I think, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, uh, a, a productive college receiver going to an NFL offense that is, is elite within a weak quarterback, at least for the time being, I, I don't think you can ask for anything more out of a, a late second pick. So yeah, no, I I love the pick. I think I I definitely would have taken him over James Washington. Yeah, so for the record, he was at uh, third round, twenty seventh pick in the third round. Six two yeah. two ten four four nine forty, and was had an excellent 
uh, year last year at UCF as well. Yeah, I mean, his metrics are pretty off the charts here, so that's pretty cool, even though James doesn't care about mm-hmm. those, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, right, James? John. What, do you, what, do you, what do you think, John? What do you think? Um, I'm going to make a pick here in a second based on basically all the same things. So, I mean, I, I couldn't possibly disparage that pick um, considering I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to take a guy going to, you know, who is, who is productive in college, not so much in 2017. It starts with an E and has pretty much every other letter of the alphabet in it going to an elite offense mine's gonna be a little harder to explain Ooh, can i guess can i guess <laughs> i think i just gave like the ultimate clue but only if you could say his first name correctly travis um equicenaria so ryan centaurian brown sophagus <laughs> something like that equinemius yeah, right? did i get it no <laughs> I, I don't even like your attempt it it smelled oh, smelled oh, bad all right, all right you smell like beef and cheese you say that all the time to me, and I hate it. <laughs> well, now I'm going to say it more. <laughs> now I know that. All right. So, John, explain your pick here, ESB. Yeah, and it, it's a little tough because he was actually the third wide receiver drafted by the Green Bay Packers. But this is a this is a big, fast, just prototypical outside wide receiver who's a scoring threat from anywhere on the field, especially down in the red zone. I mean, and the fact that he fell to the sixth round, towards the end of the sixth round, is absolutely ridiculous to me. But, I mean, he's going to an offense where they, they don't, the Packers don't care a whole lot about draft capital when it comes to their skill players. They don't spend a whole lot of draft capital on wide receivers, running backs. And uh, so, you know, they don't, they don't, but they still end up putting these guys out on the field. And I think that this guy, I think that ESB has an opportunity to step in to a role that really isn't filled right at the moment. I mean, you've got Devontae Adams and beyond that, I don't think that, well, Jimmy Graham has a defined role, but I don't think that anybody else does in that offense. I know Randall Cobb is still there, but I, I, I'm starting to think that they might be a little bit done with Randall Cobb, and I, there is a, there's still an outside role to be filled after Jordy Nelson left. There's some guys who have been there for a while, D'Angelo Yancey and Geronimo Allison could definitely get an opportunity, but Equinemius St. Brown rises above those guys. Just on, I mean, whatever you want to go off of, go off of metrics, go off of the eye test, go off of actual literal production. He's a touchdown scorer and he's a threat, like I said, from anywhere on the field. This has been one of my favorite players for the last several months and seeing him go to an Aaron Rodgers offense just, it it makes me as excited as I could possibly be, despite the fact that he wasn't drafted until the sixth round. Yeah, man, I like it. I, I don't really have anything more to add. I like ESB, um, but I definitely think that there is, I mean, good luck guessing which receiver is going to be the one that gets the opportunity. But I, I think, uh, I think you know, it, it's 
um, ESB is the most talented of them, in, in my opinion. So I, I I think it's definitely worth a shot here, the last pick in the second round, to get a guy that Aaron Rodgers could be targeting often. So, yeah, I kind of like it. What do you think, Travis? Dude, what is the deal with the Packers taking three of one position in every draft? <laughs> I know. Last year yeah. they drafted three running backs. This year they drafted three receivers. And they they got Jamon Moore, and they they got ESB, and then they got Marquez Valmavaga. Yeah, man, you keep coming so close to the sensor button. <laughs> Who is <laughs> that quite. guy? Who is that guy in the fifth round over ESB? I know nobody knows who this guy is. Anyways, it's, it is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah, come on, it is. He it... wants to. He wants to be an acronym. That guy wants to be an acronym. For the record, he was yeah. drafted before ESB. Just that's saying, what I said. Yeah. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's what I said. But ESB is ESB, and this guy wants to be MVS. MVS doesn't <laughs> roll MVS off the sounds like MVS. a like a yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a drugstore. Yeah. You know what? We should just call him. We should call him by his middle name. Valdez. Is it? That's not. I guess that's not actually his middle name. Is it? Uh, no. <laughs> that's his hyphenated no last name anyways know. what I, I dude i don't know what to what the hell to make out of out of this receiver core this receiving core i mean we've got it does work the, for like, them though that that it's so crazy man like yeah but i mean if it, we it, have a wide receiver year like we had a running back year last year in green bay we're gonna be in this same exact position next year where some people are on the Jamal Williams bandwagon. Some people are on on Ty Montgomery. Some people are on Aaron Jones, and then some people are on Devonte Mays. Like, come on, man! Yeah, just give the ball to a couple guys. Why is that so hard? Yeah, but I mean, it does kind of make sense if you think about it, though. When you get to those late rounds, because that's the other thing they don't start taking these guys until the fourth round or later. When they take, you know, th- three guys at the same position. And it kind of makes sense because, I mean, there's such a, such a small hit rate the later you get in a draft. So, you know, it kind of stands to reason that, you know, if you take two or three of those guys at the same position, you increase your odds of getting it right. So I really like this strategy. It, it does convolute things for us, but uh, I, I still think that, ESB has the has the pedigree, has the has the talent, has the size, all the all the metrics that you want to talk about. He's he's got all of that. He's got the star power. He's the most likely by far to rise to the top of this group. James, James, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As as our resident Devi player and Devi writer. What can you tell us about Jamon Moore and Marquez Valdez Scantling versus ESB, and why were the why were both of those guys taken above ESB? Well, you know it's really interesting because uh, Jamon Moore is is um, they're both they they have a couple common traits, and I'll tell you, Jamon Moore is six foot three, and uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is six foot four. Um, so they're both bigger receivers. Um, they're both over 200 pounds, um, close to the 205 to 215 range. Um, 
and they're both, like I said, they're both bigger receivers. Um, Marquise Valdez-Scantling is a, a, a comp for him is Jeff Janis, which is kind of funny because that's an ex-Packer. So um, he's really raw. But <laughs> he's, he's really raw. But both no, no, these... no, no, no. You let's let's go back a second. You glossed over that. Uh huh. He's not an ex-Packer. He is the ex-Packer. Oh my goodness! Here we go. Jeff Janis is a god. <laughs> uh, yeah, in this in this territory, he is absolutely. He, yeah, um, he was a, the he was the unattainable wide receiver one potential. Yeah. like goddess of dynasty football for years. So that's hilarious. Yeah, that that, that this yeah. guy comps to him. Yeah, Mar- Marquez Valdez uh, Scanling definitely um, comps comps pretty closely to him. So he's a project. I mean, all these guys that they drafted are physical specimens that need work. They need refining to their game, in my opinion. Javon Moore is probably the most ready out of the three, in my opinion, just because, uh, well, and, and ESP. And I think ESP gets knocked down a lot because last year he was, he just didn't produce. And I think a lot of it had to do with just poor quarterback play. So I think that knocked him down in a lot of NFL teams' eyes just because it looked like he took a step back, um, you know, it, looking at his, his production. But I don't know that that was totally the case. I think there was more there. Um, so, yeah, but um, really with those other two guys, I mean, they're raw, they're physical specimens, they're guys who are going to be potential mids, mismatch-type players, taller um, receivers, you know, uh, that can high-point the ball and that sort of thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those guys get used, and I think that's how they differ from ESB. Um I mean, ESB is still really good at high-pointing the ball and doing some of those things, but I think he's a little bit more well-rounded than some of these guys are uh, right now. So that would be my thing. Uh, real quick, the the one thing I do want to add to, kind of a weird draft for Green Bay, they used their top two picks on cornerbacks as well in this draft, as well as three on wide receivers. So another kind of interesting tidbit that five of their picks were receivers or guys who cover receivers. So interesting yeah man it's all about it's all about defending the pass and creating the pass it's also interesting that's yeah the, that's it, what this league is all about it's also yeah. interesting i think when when you look at the packers draft um <laughs> they traded down and gained another first round pick from new orleans um, when they traded down so next year they have two firsts which i think is interesting to kind of keep in mind that they spent a lot of um a lot of uh you know, uh, draft capital at the receiver position this year, but they have potentially two firsts next year um, that they could use to get better at that position if Randall Cobb is maybe on the out. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see kind of moving forward uh, what they do. Yeah, interesting. So do do you give any credence to this? Is, this is I don't want to spend too much time on this. This can be a yes or no answer. Do you give any credence to? ESB's fall being related to his dad and the whole LeVar Ball situation. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting because there was definitely some worries about the diva dad type thing. Um, and, and you know, I don't know. I mean, you see a guy like that fall and it just it's kind of a, like, why? You know, and when that's all that you hear. It feels so far. Yeah, when that's so yeah, and that's all that you hear for the reasoning. I mean... I, of the three wide receivers that, that the Packers drafted, I think ESB is the most talented and he's the most versatile. I think he can play outside and in the slot. Um, 
you know, he, he's, he's got elite speed. I mean, when you look at some of these other guys like Jamon Moore, um, you know, he has, he had problems with drops, you know, and he's, he's so raw. He's, he, you know, he needs a lot more work and he was drafted two rounds ahead of ESB. I mean, a guy you had never heard of that Marquise Vandalee Scantling. I mean, this is a guy who played for USF and he was taken a round ahead of ESB. Like I, I, I can't, I, 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 you That's know, saying, yeah, man. I can't, I can't see any other reason why he dropped. So yeah, I guess I, I put some other than his dad. Yeah, his dad. You think his dad effed him? Uh, man, I think, I think he dropped because of it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> well, I, I, as much as I love ESB, I do have to admit, I think that he had something to do with that too. I mean, when you're already looking for those, you know, those, those character issues, those, those character concerns. You know, based on the family and based on you know, how you know how vocal the dad is and everything, and then you see ESB taking plays off, you know, not finish, not running through his routes. You know, you see a little bit of a diva attitude. He also is a very laid back guy who just kind of comes across as apathetic. And I I think that there's just kind of a combination of the entire thing that that rubs people the wrong way. As much as I love ESB, I, I do have to admit that I think that he brings a little bit of this on himself. Um, but, I mean, I, I still think that he's got the talent that makes it really hard to keep him off the field. Yeah, the the only thing I will say with ESB in his game that I kind of get when I, when I watch him is that he, he just... He needs more functional strength. His his core is he's he's not very strong, and he can be out muscled by cornerbacks, especially at the line. And in the NFL, it's going to be a real thing. So he's going to have to figure out a way to use his hands better and beat the press and just be stronger overall. Um, so I think that's something that he has to work on. And I think that you know is is a knock on ESB. But um, but again, I mean that's something I I still feel like he's more NFL ready than some of these other guys. And maybe that is it. You know, maybe it is um, partially attitude and partially. You know, his dad just being this total diva dad that uh, that teams don't want to deal with, you know? Yep. So there you go. Two hours into this thing, and uh, I don't know if we've made any sense of this draft class. This was seriously... I've never seen anything like this, guys. To me, this was the, the most invasive NFL draft for fantasy purposes that I've ever seen. I, I've I've just never seen... So many fantasy values affected by an NFL draft like this, but that's uh, I, I. But again, that's why I think that this was important to get another mock in real quick. And uh, so you know, two rounds is good enough for now. We'll have to uh, address some of the later round rookies later um, in a future episode. So for now, though, we're going to wrap it up for the week and. Before we do, we want to ask you for a quick favor. If you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. That helps so much in our ability to to improve the content of this show by uh, expanding our reach and by involving more people in the conversation and being able to zero in on the topics that are important to you, the listener. In the vein of listener interaction, you can also send us questions and trades on Twitter. Um, definitely send the trades at Superflex Trades on Twitter, uh, but we also just answer random questions from time to time at uh, Superflex Pod or 
at, at any one of our direct uh, Twitter accounts. Travis is at Travis NFL. James is at DFF underscore the brain. I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. So send us those trades for sure. And it doesn't have to be super flex. We'll take any scoring setting you've got. And uh, we, we can help you get more retweets, get you more comments, get you more votes. And we can even talk about it here on the podcast from time to time. Uh, we always love doing those trade shows. So every time we get enough, uh, enough trades on Twitter, we, uh, we bring them up here on the podcast and argue about them here and yell at each other. So that's always fun for us. Um, probably more fun for you. Uh, I, I don't always enjoy getting crucified, but uh, sometimes do it for the good, of the, the good of the show. Follow the entire Dynasty Football Factory at DFF underscore Dynasty, the Dynasty Football Network at DF underscore Network, and all those great podcasts from the Dynasty Football Network, the Fantasy Football Fellas, the Dynasty Warzone, the IDP Edge Crushers, the Devi Watch, Capology 101 and Dynasty Trades HQ. Thank you to our, to our great sponsors. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And, t- and until next week. Bye. Bye.